So there's so many things that could affect someone getting into these roles. So we have to really check ourselves and ask ourselves, when we think about people who are elder or thinking people who are like super young, maybe in their 20s, what do you think about when it comes to when you, you're hiring practices? What do you think about when you go to get, maybe you go to one person for advice or do you judge that young person and you don't feel like they bring enough value and that company and that organization, they won't be effective as a leader. Now more than ever, do we need to understand the language of the team members we support, the people we have personal and professional relationships with? It's not only about cultural diversity, but it's also about understanding different behavior styles, different generational styles. It's so important that we take our communication skills to the next level. And that's why I have created a process. I have a tool that I utilize so you can learn your leadership style because you're not only leading in the household and in your community, you're also leading in the workplace. So go to my website, AishaThomas.org, click on learn your leadership style or shoot me an email at info at AishaThomas.org and let's get your communication skills to the next level so you can communicate to people who don't look like you and also really build up those personal and professional relationships. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And today we're going to be talking about ageism. And I hope you guys have gotten caught up with this message about diversity because we looked at it from the lens of the racial aspect. But you have some people who are double minorities or they might be triple minorities. You have a lot of gender diversity that's needed. You have people that are in different generational groups that needs a level of openness into these organizations for them to be pulled in. And to kind of connect to that, we're going to talk today about ageism and age diversity that's needed. But unfortunately, diversity is not necessarily happening in those areas as much or people who are in different age ranges have negative experiences because people might not see the value. They don't take them as serious. Hey, you're too old. You need to retire or you're too young and you don't bring enough worth. So get your notepads. Let's get into this message to understand the benefits of age diversity. Ageism is the discrimination of someone based on their actual or perceived age. Most often it is applied to persons in the workforce who are approaching or are the age of 60 and older. Many of the ways in which ageism propagates itself include disrespectful language, assuming that the worker cannot complete a task, questioning a worker's ability to understand or their stamina, dismissal based on age, unfair and suddenly poor evaluations, and being the object of age-related jokes. However, age discrimination is not unique to older people. It is equally prevalent for young adults as well. So let's talk about what ageism is. Just like in the example, ageism or more of a lengthy of term for ageism is a stereotype and prejudice and discrimination against people on the basis of their age. Now, I know I did a podcast earlier. Make sure that you guys go check that out where I talked about the generational differences in the workplace. But I'm really talking about a huge gap. You have people that are maybe between 18 to 24. Mainly, this happens more between the 20, 20 to 24 age range. And then in regards to our elders, that is happening about the age of 50 and above. And the reality is about 35% of the U.S. population is now 50 or older. 
Now, just because someone hits like what they call, quote unquote, that retirement gap, that age, you know, when you want to start hitting 55 and their 60s, a lot of people think that, hey, they're ready to retire. And of course, that's a goal for a lot of people because really what happens is that we've learned over time that, and this might be just something in regards to social norms, that when you're in your 20s, this is how life should look like. When you're in your 50s, 60s, this is what life should look like. But the reality for some, that is not what the life looks like. Or there's some people who just want to continue to work for a variety of reasons. Minus, of course, you'll see a lot of um, our elders in maybe entrepreneurship type of roles or running companies because they you know, are heads of companies. But ultimately, you have a group of people that don't necessarily are ready to retire. And you have a group of individuals that want to jump into the workforce you know, at the age of 20, at the age of 18. I know I got my first job at 16. And of course, your first job might be something not as a big deal like my first job was at Popeye's. So that was like my first job. And that's the idea. When you're a teenager, you get, you know, one of these basic jobs. But when we think about age, we really have these social norms that have created this idea that in life, this is how things should look like. And when it doesn't, then something's wrong, which I think also pours into this idea of, okay, once you get to this certain age, you're not effective or you are ineffective. You can't, you can't add any more value, which is false. And this, this I can really relate to because I watched my father experience this. My father, you know, as many of you guys know, I'm a migrant. My parents came here before me. So I guess I'm, you know, within, a, a, you know, the generational aspect of being a migrant in my family. So most of us were all born in West Africa. A couple of two of my sisters were born in the U.S. So... Regardless, my parents brought us to the United States because, of course, you have a lot of migrants that come here. They see the benefits and the opportunities here in the land of the United States. So definitely a blessing for their children. But my father worked his way up. He was an accountant back home. He came to the United States, got into the banking industry and did very well. By the time he got to the peak of where he was, he was a branch manager. He was a bank manager of a very exclusive bank, uh, bank excuse me, bank. And he was doing it very well for himself. But there were some issues within the organization and he ended up losing the position. And by that time, I don't re- really remember the age range, but he was above 50 years old by the time that happened. Well, after he did it, he wasn't necessarily ready to stop working. He wanted to see if another bank would take him. He was looking for other opportunities out there. But unfortunately, he ran into ageism because, again, a lot of people believe that once you reach a certain age, you might be ineffective. Maybe they're thinking about, well, how long will you be within this organization if you're starting at that latter age or what people assume that latter age is? So he really struggled in finding a position and ultimately he just decided to retire and, you know, they travel back and forth from West Africa to here and are doing very well in regards to real estate. But it just seeing him go through that experience was painful to watch because he wasn't ready to retire. I even watched my mom and she was in the workforce, but beyond 50, but the jobs that she had were, were maybe roles that were more open for people within her age group. But, you know, I have very active parents. They want to continue working. And again, they grew up in a generation where you continue to hustle and grind. So the idea of not waking up and doing something, that was, that's just innately with them. 
And there are a lot of people who still need it for financial reasons. They need it because they still have a mortgage to pay. They need it for a variety of reasons. So what should prevent them from getting those opportunities? But that's the reality. We see people of a certain age and we assume that, listen, they're too old or they're too young and they can't add any more value or it's time to transition. And on the other side, if we think about young people, they face it too. And I've been guilty. Even as I was researching and doing a lot of research, I was thinking like, man, we have some young within the Air Force, some within our specific organization, we have some young airmen that just started. And I've been, you know, I've been guilty of saying, oh, these are my babies or the babies I refer to that group as, you know, the kids. And I refer to them as that. But there's still individuals that have decided to enter the workforce, regardless if it's the military, regardless if it's corporate, that they're still individuals. And of course, we really bring them in with love and we're really developing their leadership skills. So we're not looking at they lack skills. However, I just have to really reflect and think about, well, I want to make sure that the language that I'm using it's not offensive or it isn't bothersome. And of course, they have not shared that. But who knows? Maybe they don't feel comfortable because, you know, we're we're elder than them or we're in these leadership roles and we are their managers or their leaders. So we really want to consider what we're thinking when it comes to when we are hiring or we're considering people for promotion or we're considering who will be more knowledgeable in this area. Because as I mentioned, the generational podcast, and again, go check that out, is that you have each one of these generations have something unique to bring. I have even seen in organizations and the Air Force itself, they bring in a lot of people who have retired or separated because they know they needed that expertise. I work with a lot of pilots within the Air Force. So within that realm, when they're bringing people in, they wanted more seasoned people. So they were actually bringing in a lot more retirees and because of the knowledge that they had, because of their experience. So they have that knowledge. They have that experience. And when you consider young people, you want to consider the fact that they have so much knowledge as well because we are shifting. There are a lot of innovations and changes that are happening as we get into the next decade or so that we have to consider that the millennials, the Gen Zs, and the generation after that are going to be able to provide to our companies and to our leadership and to our mindset that's going to help us make sure that we're innovative as we make shifts within our companies. But unfortunately, the reality is this generation does deal with age discrimination. And when we consider diversity, we need to consider this aspect as well. Because again, you have some people who are double, triple minorities. Just think about in the aspect of the racial gaps. You might have somebody that's African-American. You might have something that is also, you know, that's elder. You might have a woman that's an elder as well as she is African-American. So there's so many things that could affect someone getting into these roles. So we have to really check ourselves and ask ourselves, when we think about people who are elder or thinking people who are like super young, maybe in their 20s, what do you think about when it comes to when you, your hiring practices? What do you think about when you go to get, maybe you go to one person for advice or do you judge that young person and you don't feel like they bring enough value and that company and that organization, they won't be effective as a leader. We really need to consider that and really look at if we are being inclusive in regards to the variety of age groups that can really bring value into our companies, into our brands, into our businesses. Let's really think about that. When Social Security was created in the 1930s, we arbitrarily came up with this idea that, that 65 was old. And we've never adjusted it in all of those years. And life has changed a lot. 
This social security measure gives at least some protection to 30 millions of our citizens who will reap direct benefits through unemployment compensation, through old age pensions. We all know that we're living longer, we're living healthier lives, yet we're kind of stuck in this notion of what old is. So, as I mentioned before, about 35% of the U.S. population is now age 50 or older. I provided a stat in the, my other po- podcast that talk about how baby boomers are retiring. About 10,000 of them are retiring every day. But that's, you know, typically the age range. However, the data out there shows that nearly one in four workers age 45 and older have been subjected to negative comments about their age from supervisors or coworkers. So people make jokes. They People make jokes about people being too elder and people make jokes about pe- people being too young. And I've been talking about this age group of 50 and above, but when people start hitting those mid 40s, they start to get a glimpse of it. So they're hearing the negative comments. They're starting to look at them a little bit differently. So what is happening where supervisors, even coworkers or leaders are not seeing the value in those individuals? However, you have a lot of people in these higher, like maybe in the top tier and the C-suite executive level that are beyond the age of 45. And we look at them and we look at them with the level of respect. However, in the maybe the first tier, the mid tier, there's less respect that's happening when you see someone in that space. And of course, as you move up, it's more competition. You're not going to see as much maybe diversity in the in the area of age, or maybe you will, because I've been in rooms like I shared in a story before. Being in that chief's group, most of the individuals in there are 45 and above. They are typically within that age range. And that's what you normally see. The only difference is they're typically white and they're typically male. But you're seeing that even in that first and mid-tier level, that's where you're seeing the breakdowns, right? And again, one in four workers, they start hearing those comments from supervisors, so from their leadership or their coworkers. It also says about three in five older workers or more seasoned workers. I don't like to use the word older, but seasoned workers or people of you know uh, the later latter generation they have seen or experienced age discrimination in the workplace. They've seen it and experienced it. So that's three and five. So if you, again, take a pool and there's five of them in the line, at least three of them have experienced it. 76% of older workers or seasoned workers see age discrimination as a hurdle in finding a new job. Another report found that more than half of these older workers are prematurely pushed out of long-time jobs and 90% of them have never Earn, they don't earn as much ever again. And again, that's what happened to my father. It's like he re- re- reached a certain age gap or within a certain age group. And, you know, the other thing was that he was an African-American man. And there were a lot of factors that might have affected him staying within that role. So some people start getting pushed out as well because they think they're younger. Someone that maybe is younger than that person needs to go into that role. Instead of having a conversation and really having that sit down with them, they just pushed him out. So, you know, there, there was a story that I read about from this lady named Diane, and she says, I'm 69 years old, and that means I'm unemployed. And she said, I worked in, a corporate, in corporate America for more than 40 years with big name companies and branding, but I, ca- I cannot get a job, the same job I rocked 15 years ago. I cannot even get an interview for that job because of all the screening mechanisms. I'm just too old. So even in the screening, mecha- the screening mechanisms have identified that, okay, she gets stopped at a certain point. 
So to go a little bit more, it says 29% of U.S. households headed by someone age 55 or older have no retirement savings or pension. And of course, that's talking about retirement and making sure people have plans in place because that's the reality. The realities are is that there is still a level of preparation that we need to have. But ultimately, there's some people who still need to build at their nest egg or still want to work. So should that change the fact that they should be employed or not because they might have not necessarily planned for retirement or so. So those are the things that are happening and some stats out there in regards to our elder generation. Let's look at younger workers, right? Because they're experiencing discrimination as well. You might think it's easy for them, but it's not. So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, young people between the ages of 20 to 24 have the highest unemployment rate than adults in the U.S., the highest So you have 20 to 24-year-olds that are actually seeing more of unemployment, more than the elder generation. So that rate is about 13.2%. For people aged um, between 25 and 34, it's 8.1%. Discrimination against young employees in small businesses is due to several factors. And although there's a lot of employment acts, I know they have the Age Discrimination of Employment Act. It came into law in 1967. And what happens, it protects uh, people over the age of 40. So an employee can fire someone because they're older or an older worker um, be given less pay or benefit. So they can't be judged or treated differently because of the fact that they are they are older. But in regards, let's flip that. Let's look at the younger generation. It says the law may not directly impact some small businesses because it only applies to businesses that have 20 more employees. So you're looking at that. Um, also, under the law, business owner and employers can favor older workers over young workers. It is also legal for companies to advertise for older workers instead of younger ones under the ADA, excuse me, ADEA. So there's like, there's certain levels of protections for the older generation or the more seasoned generation than for younger, the younger generation, which is just interesting, right? So you see it happening on both ends, but even if you see that younger, 20 to 24, they are struggling more often in the area of employment. Why? Because of the judgments, the perceptions. They even says perceptions of younger employees can work against them. So there was a 2012 study in the UK. And what happened is as coworkers and employers, employers tended to view older people as more friendly and more competent than workers in their 20s. Younger workers are also often seen as demanding by some employers. Why? Because like I broke down in the generational podcast, I talked about the things that this new generation is looking for, even starting with millennials. Even before that, you have people that are Gen X that are starting to ask these, we're starting to look for that work-life balance. But when you're considering, you know, the new generation and the millennials coming in, work-life balance is important, especially now in COVID. I've had that question or that conversation already with my leadership is, hey, is it okay we can still continue to implement telework once we go back to work at some point? You know, we know the school situation is a little crazy right now, but can we implement that? Why? Because again, it's that work-life balance and they see the importance and they see how we've been effective working at home. So that's another thing that says some younger workers, they expect flexible schedules and time off and they want to take their time off. I have one team member now and I already know she's the type of person that likes to take their time off. And I remember working for, so I, she, we had the same leadership. And I could see I was the kind of I'm the kind of person I don't take lunch. I'll just grind it out. I eat eat lunch at my desk, which has changed drastically. I've seen the value of taking time for myself just for numerous reasons for self-care and just because I need to get out the office sometimes. But she would get upset because this other individual that's a part of her team 
took their leave. And I worked with them before. I was like, they like to take their leave. They're not the kind of person that's going to sit at their desk for lunch. They're going to go out. You're not going to expect them to do overtime. So just because that is your lifestyle does not mean that should be the same expectation for you. So I remember once I left the organization and we had a conversation, I was like, yeah, they like their leave. Just so you know, hey, give me some insight. They like their leave. They're going to go out for lunch. They're going to work their nine to five and that is okay if they do as long as they, you know, and she was really effective in her role. But again, there's these different mindsets and these assumptions that we have when it comes to the younger generation versus the elder generation or that mid-tier generation, even like the millennial generation has a level of respect, but there's still certain things that we're fighting as well. Because again, I'm an older millennial, but you have millennials that go all the way into, you know, their younger thirties, their early, their late twenties that people are still like, okay, making judgment about. So those are the perceptions and those are the experiences that are happening on both ends. So there is a huge level of discriminatory behavior happening in regards to age. And the unfortunate thing is that as of today is that young people don't necessarily have those laws. They don't have those things in place to protect them. So now even that needs to be looked at and that needs to be assessed effectively so we can we can start seeing a protection in regards to younger people as well. I have one more step for you after this, so stay tuned. Have you had an opportunity to check out my free resources on my website, AishaThomas.org? If you haven't, go check it out right now. You need to make sure that even today you have the skills to really be an effective leader, an effective coach, an effective mentor. So go to AishaThomas.org backslash free session or go to AishaThomas.org and click on free resources and get the tools that's going to help you improve those skills, those abilities, and give you that confidence to lead, mentor, and coach and take your team members to new levels. Often on a job, a supervisor will reprimand or praise an employee for their performance based on the circumstances. With ageism, the supervisor will single out the youngest employee for reprimand while leaving the older, more seasoned employees alone. On the other hand, a supervisor, when doling out praise, will give praise to everyone who's older in the room while excluding the younger employee, even when praises do. Number two is inappropriate language. Colleagues can resort to name-calling of younger employees under the guise of playfulness. They may call the younger employee names like kid or baby or teenager, etc. And even though this can be playful, this is still unprofessional language. A common um, misconception about ageism is that it's only a problem that affects older people. And indeed, we do live in a society that that is obsessed by youth. Open any magazine, look at any billboard, watch any TV show. Everybody's going to age. It is this one place that we all have something in common. Policies that are good for families should be good for people of all ages. We should be thinking of ways to have government policies that are supportive of older people, supportive of kids, supportive of people in the middle. When an employer sees my resume or my LinkedIn profile and they see that I have 20 or more years of experience, I, I think that's a signal of, oh, he's too old to work for us. And I am struggling financially and I'm really scared. I'm really scared. 
So how can we combat ageism? And a lot of the examples that I shared before, like last podcast and the podcast before, it's the same. We want to make sure in regards to what we're putting out on social media, how we're writing up our job ads and our job descriptions that we consider. Are there any lingo and language? And just like I shared in that story, she said there were some mechanisms in place in the hiring process and her applying for jobs that kind of highlighted her age. So outside of the recruiting and selection process and making sure that we're looking at the practices in regards to how the age inclusivity works within an organization. Let's look at some other ways. Again, just like, again, your internet present. Convey an age-inclusive company. So even from the pictures that you provide or the people you spotlight, are you highlighting people of all different age ranges? So regularly review and ensure that your company website and social media accounts are generally age-friendly, just like before. Is it inclusive? Is it showing the level of diversity within your organization, within the culture of your organization? So really start thinking about like maybe dedicate a career section on your company website. Highlight those people that have been in your organization for years and years of time and just highlight people that shows that, hey, commitment and inclusivity in regards to age is something that is important to you and your company. So make sure you consider that. Continue again. Go back to the podcast about multi-generational workforce because again, I think that also closes a loop in this conversation. So make sure you check that. Include age in your diversity and inclusion. So yes, we want to make sure that we focus on the main thing. And the main thing right now is the fact that we're not seeing diversity in regards to inclusion of African-Americans and and Black people in regards to those C-suite executive roles, right? The diversity might be at the first or mid-tier, but as you move up, that requires change. So if your plan is to really just revamp and cut out and really just look at your diversity and inclusion strategy altogether, consider the age factor as well. If it's going to be a one-time thing, or if you're going to think about let's do it in pockets, definitely focus on the racial gap first and then consider next. Okay, let's look at the generational aspect and then merge that together, the the generational shift, as well as looking at the age aspect and making sure that, again, there's inclusivity in that area. And also develop programs that support your elderly workers or even your younger workers. So it's not only about making sure that you have people that have really committed to your company over time, but also consider the individuals that are new. Hey, you know, we have so-and-so, he just graduated college and maybe this is a young man or a young woman in their 20s and you want to highlight them as well. So let's not only look at, of course, the season and the elder generation, we also want to consider the younger generation as well. But make sure you develop programs. Maybe that's an idea. An example of this was Starbucks in Mexico. They actually launched their first location that staffed entirely with older workers or more seasoned workers. This data that I keep on seeing says older, and I'm just trying to stay away from that word, but they went and really hired people that were between the ages of 55 and 60. And there's also another example they call Returnship. These are programs geared for senior level professionals wanting to return to the workplace after a career break of two or more years. So maybe it's creating those programs and maybe you've seen the value in having that season, that season mind there or even you want to have an internship program and let's not make these because a lot of the internship programs aren't paid again you have 20 to 24 year olds that are unemployed a lot of them might need that money to support themselves so let's get these paid internships let's not always and again of course it looks you want to look at the budget of your company you want to see what's available out there but make sure that you are also considering ways that you can incorporate 
you know, younger people and have programs for them as well. So you can have them connected or even groups where they can connect with each other and support each other and maybe even connect them with a millennial manager or someone in leadership that can really help them in maturing and helping them develop. Remember the statistic and the information I gave you before talked about how Gen Z, that population really connects more with millennials. Why? Because we can speak the same language. I can talk about some things that they will understand where someone that is a baby boomer might not get that you listen to baby, little baby. They might not get that you know how to do all the little dances and so on of who Meg the Stallion is. A millennial might. But even if they don't, they kind of speak the same language because they're closer in age. So maybe connect them, maybe create a program where you're connecting the 20 to 24 year olds with somebody between 30 and 35 and allow them to have a mentorship program. But don't count them out because of that. Um, Design and offer age inclusive training opportunities. Remember, the younger generation, they want to be trained, they want to be developed. And even when you consider the training that needs for people who are more seasoned, more elder, they might need some type of inclusivity training or a training that helps them understand the innovation, the different changes, because we have someone within the organization that I work with in the military aspect that is more seasoned. He's elder, he's over 50, and a lot of this COVID season is really, he's struggling with using the computer and understanding that. But these are things that we should maybe consider training the elder generation. And you have a lot of them that, again, I'm not trying to say this is a one size fits all, but you have a lot of people between 45, 60, or 50 to 60 that knows how to work a laptop just fine. They know how to turn the internet on. So again, this isn't all across the board. But again, these are just some ideas for you can start thinking about connecting people doing some cross-generational or reverse age mentorships. Again, so back and forth, maybe Gen Z connecting with someone that's a baby boomer, or maybe you know a millennial connected with someone that is Gen Z. So create those type of programs, host age-inclusive employee events, okay? So consider all those things, the language that you're putting out there in regards to your, again, your, your job descriptions and all the things that you're putting out there, you never recognize who you might be excluding. And this might be a lot of work that you're thinking like, man, we already have to do D, I, and E work already. But really, if you, again, are considering how you're going to truly revamp it, think about all these things. Am I being inclusive in regards to, of course, African-Americans? That is the fire that's burning. Maybe that's the first initiative. Then, okay, once we get that up and running and we know it's effective, okay, let's start considering the multi-generational workforce and we're making sure that is incorporated. And also allowing your leadership, that's why leadership development is so important because this is the information that your leaders need to know. Because again, you have first tier leaders that need to know about being inclusive and how to behave and make sure that they keep that culture going at the first tier. You need that information also in the mid-tier and even at the executive level where you might see more people that are seasoned and elder, but that information needs to be across the board because again, this is happening more maybe in that first and mid-tier level where you're seeing these discriminatory verbiage that's happening or comments that are happening. So are we really making sure that as these initiatives are going out, that we're making sure our first tier leaders understand thoroughly. They might be the first people who touch the core of your team members, the core of the people that really push your mission and vision. They need to have leadership development to understand the climate, the culture, the language they should be doing. I made a post today on Twitter that I shared on my other social media platforms about, listen, The leaders you choose in your organization represent you. 
And even if they're ineffective, if you decide not to do anything about it, they still represent you. So you need to choose wisely. And the reason why I highlighted this is because there's been a lot of conversations about what's going on in Ellen and some of the struggles that are happening there. And of course, Ellen is the face of the show. And she might not, a lot of people said she might, she wasn't specifically the person that was have that had this type of attitude or behavior however within the core leadership teams and within that organization there were some people that were having a lot of issues however it still affects the face of that organization even if that's not the person that's even the executive of the president unfortunately she's connected and she looks like the face of it but whoever is the face of that organization the face of that company that face of that business you want to make sure that you are considering everybody that touches your team members that you put in leadership and management roles and making sure they are equipped this training should not only be at the top tier level the mid tier level but every single person even the coworkers because again, I mentioned how team members also have this divisive type of language. We need to make sure everyone is functioning with inclusivity, understanding, and being aware of their behavior. Because again, organizations aren't the ones that people quit. It's the leaders that they quit. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are speak fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. <laughs> <laughs> Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M-S-A-I-S-H-A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.